This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. After six long games, six <laughs> games in a period, honestly, of the Pittsburgh Penguins losing and not coming out on top and being behind on the scoreboard, finally, it is over. The six-game losing streak for the Pittsburgh Penguins has ended. On Tuesday, they defeated the Ottawa Senators at home by a score of 7-3. to We're going to unpack everything that there is to unpack in that game during this episode. We also have power play talk this episode. We had to talk about a Twitter poll that we put up this episode. We got to talk about Zach Aston Reese this episode. So it's going to be a pretty packed maybe half hour to an hour here on the tip of the iceberg. But hey, after two down episodes, after six straight losses, it's going to be a pretty fun episode. Spirits are two, high. Two weeks to the day was our last win. That's ridiculous. And... Yeah, I'm looking up stats right now for all the stuff we need because I have zero notes. Well, I'll take over for a little bit while you're looking at those. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is episode 46, can you believe? In just two weeks from this release date, we'll be hitting episode 50. We'll have to do something special for episode 50. Episode 46, appropriate, we're talking about Zach Aston Reese. My name is Nick Berlansky, as always, I am joined by Nick Horwath. By now you've heard both of our voices a couple times, and you probably already know who's talking in it. So, we're going to get episode 46 started with a little bit of talk about what the Penguins had got going for them before this game. In the month of February, they closed out with a 5-7-1 record, including a six-game losing streak, all six in regulation. We talked enough about that on the last episode. But March is usually a pretty good month for the Pens. So let's see if we can have the March <laughs> of the Penguins. Like we said, they beat the Ottawa Senators 1-0 this March. Last season, they were 10-3-3 in the month of March. And the season before that, 9-4-2. So historically, March is a pretty good month for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it started off that way again in 2020. Bukestad being back with the team to practice. He was practicing and skating on the ice on game day can probably realistically expect him back by at least the weekend back-to-back games you would assume at this point because he traveled with the team right to california he He was with the team in california i thought everyone not everyone but at least someone or two people be back for the second half of the anaheim san jose game because there's travel involved there it's a back-to-back maybe you rest some of the normal minor leaguers to get some professional blood in there but i guess not and that's okay i guess we're here but they tease us all with saying they're going on the trip only to have marino and dumoulin back for a home game which either way i um, think it's fair to say it worked out pretty well yeah they look important now don't they (laughs) the two people that are still out are zach aston reese and dom simone uh go ahead sorry to interrupt no you're good and you know partway through that Ottawa game, Jack Johnson gets taken out, not for injury. Let's try and be human here and say congratulations to Jack Johnson. His wife went into labor in the middle of the game, and he left. Yeah, it's good to know that he finally figured out how to score somehow. (laughs) Damn it. 
Yep, and broke them just about four minutes into the episode, so we're off to a good start. The one last yeah. thing I wanted to mention before we got into this Pens versus Sens review is the team's traveling a lot less this month. When we were talking to, or at least I was talking to, Anthony Sanfilippo of the Flyers podcast for the Hockey Podcast Network, also talking to Hockey Troll. Unfortunately, you won't hear that conversation. It was not recorded properly, yep. unfortunately, but those kind of things happen. But when we were talking to that, Anthony brought up a good point that the Pittsburgh Penguins we're traveling a whole lot, especially during that six-game losing streak. So the thing is, all the games but one in the month of March are in the Northeast United States in the Eastern time zone. The only game that's not is going to be a game against the Chicago Blackhawks. Last month, they had three games on the West Coast, one up in Canada and two in Florida. Now, I get one up in Canada was just Toronto, but you still got to go through customs, which is a pain. Mm -hmm. Going down to Florida is a lot further than going to the Columbuses, the Carolinas, the Washingtons that they'll be visiting. And the other thing is the Pittsburgh Penguins will have eight, and now after this one, of course, seven home games this month when they had five all of last month. So a lot more home cooking for the Pittsburgh Penguins and a lot less travel. So it might spell another good march for them, and that's something that they're going to need to better their position and to solidify that 14th straight postseason berth. Yeah, it's something. the traveling is something that even um... – Rob Rossi and who's the other one? Yohi? Not Yohi. The other Marshall? guy that does penultimate. Marshall, yes, Jesse Marshall. I always get him and Gentilly mixed up. Um, that's something they discussed on the uh, penultimate podcast, which um, they've been traveling a lot. And as they were talking about it, I looked at the calendar and saw that the Penguins had five home games in February and also five in January. Oh, so, so we've it's had been two months of a lot of travel. Two months of ten home games, yeah. Granted, January in there, you know, the week off. But still, mm -hmm. it's it's a, that's not a lot of home games for uh, a matter of s about 60 days or so. It's tough to go on the road and be on the airplane half the time and be on the ice the other half the time. You don't really have much time to rest other than that. So it's something that they got through. And, of course, it hurt them with that six-game losing streak. But now, as, as we saw on Tuesday, it looks like they've got their winning ways back. And at least it was the Ottawa Senators. So grain of salt there because their season has not been, of course, anything – anything near good and they'll be looking to get one maybe two top 10 definitely going to have two lottery picks coming up here in mm -hmm. the offseason but it was a game in which the Pittsburgh Penguins did almost everything right it was as close to a 60 minute game as I can remember since maybe the Minnesota game when Sid returned so it was something good to watch and let's just jump right into it Crosby letting Marlowe go behind him in the entry order that's something I know you wanted to speak of because you said that is the main story so what do you think about Sidney Crosby letting Patty Marlowe go behind him in the order? I don't think Marlowe would have pulled out three years Super League, but he no, might have pulled Gino out. Might have. I mean, Gino might have said 19 years NHL, and there goes Patty Marlowe Marlo right behind no, Crosby. No, no, no. Gino got him. Gino got him. He just looks at him and says 2016 Stanley Cup Final. Oh. Not even three cups. Just, just listen, that one specific. Listen. Anyway. We get it. Marlowe's going to get his title this year. He just had to wait a couple years and switch colors. So that's all right. It'll be um, fine. So I know nothing about the Sharks' superstition or their walkout routine. I know nothing about it. So it's interesting that. I mean, I don't know why you would, to be completely honest. Oh, maybe I just went on a bender one day and decided to look at everyone's. <laughs> We've all sat back and listened to everyone's goal horn once or twice, right? 
goal horns and the the order in which teams walk out are two completely different things. You have to be on Fair, an entirely another level of insane to try to go through and figure that second part out for every team. No, yeah, but I mean, still, like, I don't know their situation. I don't know if they had a certain number or whatever order like the Penguins have and have been, and has been written about nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if maybe that had something to play into it, but I mean, it's interesting. I think it's because in- it's what it's breaking up almost 15 years of one two Crosby Malkin. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, I mean at the end of the day, something changes like after just... 15 years. You talk about it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and especially when it's something that involves Sidney Crosby, who's the most uber superstitious hockey player in the entire NHL. So yeah. I, I feel like it was probably just a respect thing from Sidney Crosby saying, "Hey, it's your first game at PPG Paints. Why don't you go out behind <laughs> me?" Or We'll see if it continues on. Obviously, they won 7-3, to three, and if it's Sidney oh, Crosby won, seeing that, I'm, it's sure, I'm sure he'll have it continue. But let's get on to the actual storylines and the actual game because that ended up being the start of what ended up being a pretty good night for the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins. John Marino and Brian Dumlin returned to the lineup. It was something, like you said, that we've been waiting for ever since it was announced that they were going to be with the team on the West Coast trip. Tanev out with an illness, which means... We're down to two. We're down to two. Just two players, Marcus Pedersen and the superhero. Who was all surprised that the superhero is one of the two men remaining for the Iron Penguin Award, the most prestigious award bestowed on a Pittsburgh Penguin from this podcast. Down definitely to just for two. this season, at least. Uh, it's definitely going to be the most hard-to-obtain one. <laughs> but yeah, we're down to two. If it gets down to it, I think it would be fun to do – another award type thing i know i want to do i know i want to write about one i just gotta i'm sure we could do an award show type thing you know gearing up for for the playoffs if that shall be in play which i would like to think it will be in play for the pittsburgh penguins hockey troll on the other hand might not think that much but as the game started marino like we said got back and 48 seconds in put his stamp on this game scoring a goal his sixth of the season Good to see John Marino score. And then a little bit later, Brian Dublin makes a good play that leads to, guess what? Connor Sherry's first goal back in a Penguins uniform. Penguins up 2 to nothing early, which is great because on that six-game losing streak, one thing that did not happen is they did not, one, they didn't score goals at all. Two, they definitely did not score first in game. So it was nice to see the Pittsburgh Penguins get out to an early lead again, whether that be against the Ottawa Senators or it be against anybody else. It was nice to see the Penguins get out there and get going pretty early. Almost immediately it was decided that Yeah, it looked like Marino was pretty important to the team and how our production was off without him, our defense was off without him, and he comes back, and it wasn't even just that one goal he had. It was, you know, continuing to play well throughout the game, even to the point whenever, like we said, Johnson had to leave, and now we had five defensemen, and we were still holding him pretty strong. Um, I thought Matt Murray played fairly well as well, making it a only giving up three. Again, five defensemen, you're going to get tired eventually. To a Senators team that... Yeah, people are going to say aren't a great team, and they're not. But still, they have some firepower under the hood that you don't think about. Like Kachuk, um, Shabbat, and Bobby Ryan now. So it's something to look look out for on occasion. Plus, they're still an NHL team nonetheless. One thing I did forget, and then I was reminded by Stan Savard in the pregame show, Bobby Ryan was the consolation pick in the Sidney Crosby draft. I forgot he went second overall in the Crosby draft to the Anaheim Ducks. It wasn't the strongest draft year, I think. Though. Like Maybe that's why you forget about it. That, that might be it, but it was a nice little tidbit there, and you were talking about Marino, and 
I know, again, we're going to harp on this fact. It was the Senators. Mm-hmm. They aren't the greatest team. But I thought he looked fantastic out there. It's coming yeah, off it's... of the injury that he did, you would think maybe he shies away from contact, especially wearing the bubble, kind of limiting his vision. I thought he played extremely good. And it might just be because I haven't seen him play for, what is it, a month? But he looked really good out there, especially playing with Marcus Pedersen. The whole decor looked pretty good, and as as it should have, because it is our top decor with nobody injured now. Yeah. And now we, of course, you said have Jack Johnson that's going to probably maybe miss a game. He might miss the Sabres game, but I wouldn't expect him to miss more than one game. Yeah, probably. He'll probably be back in time for Washington on Saturday. But that being said, we know nothing about the whole – we know nothing about Jack Johnson right now. We're recording this after the game on Tuesday. Yeah, this, so. this is being recorded immediately after the game, so you're getting some <clears throat> fresh reactions here about the Senators game. But John Marino, what, I, I thought he looked extremely good, and he continues to amaze me because he is so young. He mm-hmm. is a rookie in the NHL, and no, he's not going to get high regards as far as the rookie class this year because you have players like Quinn Hughes and players like Kale McCarr who are otherworldly good at a young age. But I think... John Marino, and you've mentioned it a couple times this year, John Marino deserves to be somewhat in that conversation. Yeah. Maybe not as much in the scoring sense, but he's still, the way he plays the game and the mind he has for the game, at one point there was a three-on-one that was completely shut down by Marino in about two seconds. So I just think he plays the game at a higher level than than his age, and he's very advanced for his age, and I think it's something that's going to help out the Penguins for many, many years to come. What, what's your take on, on Marino's return tonight? Yeah, Marino's return honestly put him back in the conversation that he should be in with, you know, among the top rookies in the league again. I'm not saying the injury hurt him. I'll say the injury hurt him in in wake of possibly getting, you know, a nomination for a rookie of the year, but that's a different conversation that that would he he would have to be healthy and see what happens from there. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's a chance he cracks that. Not anymore. He might sure. get a vote like a vote to be nominated, but he's not going to get a nomination because you have so many good rookies this year. Would have been, would have been interesting to see three defensemen being up for rookie of the year. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you the last time that happened. I couldn't either, but I can't even tell you the last time a rookie or a defenseman won rookie of the year. So at least Aaron Eckblad. Yeah. He won rookie of the year, right? Or am I making that up? I don't, he was the first overall pick, but I don't know if he was rookie of the year that year. Well, that one I'm going to look up while we continue talking about him because, yeah, he played phenomenally, and that's what we expect. Mm-hmm. Not expect from him, but that's kind of what we expect from him at this point. He can't. It's always good seeing guys come back and play well as well so you know their play isn't slowing down. Yeah. And you know, fighting through an injury like that, granted, it's that kind of injury isn't going to slow down your speed or your you know play per se, but wearing a bubble like that for however long it has to be could – affect a few things it doesn't didn't seem to have tonight he's used to he's used to doing it he did it whenever he played in harvard and it's good to have him back on the ice he's a huge help for this team yeah i completely agree and you mentioned it that kind of injury doesn't really slow down your foot speed as much one injury that does slow down your foot speed is an ankle injury and that is what brian dumlin has just returned from and i thought he played extremely well too in his return game he might not have scored a goal like John Marino, but I thought he played extremely well, especially considering the fact of what kind of injury he's coming off of. He played 19 minutes, 52 seconds, 
a little bit of power play time, over two minutes on the shorthanded side of things. I thought he had a pretty good game, and I know he had some sheltered minutes until the end there whenever, of course, Johnson was gone and you had to Uh play five defensemen. A lot of people were questioning, hey, I know you guys are putting a lot of pressure on Brian Dumlin's return, saying that it's probably going to be one of the keys to your team going forward, but he's coming back off of an ankle injury. He's coming back off of two-plus months missed. How much do you expect him to be able to play to his game in that when as soon as he comes back? And he looked pretty good. It is only one game, and he did play under 20 minutes, but it, he looked really good out there, and I think it's going to be something that we're going to have to keep an eye on moving forward to see how he plays against Buffalo and then, of course, against Washington on Saturday, which is going to be the big test for this entire lineup. Yeah, I think everyone will be in the lineup by Saturday, I don't think. And by everyone, I mean pretty much everyone that's not Aston Reese or Simone, who... Week to week. But for the most part, I would even expect Bukestad to be back and Dumoulin to be back to full minutes, I would say, because that's going to be a big, important game. And it's one that, granted, we're going to have to win. Almost every game here on out is a must-win. Buffalo's going to be a test as well, though, because they seem to play us well. At least that's what I've been... That's what it feels like sometimes. So, yeah, them getting back into the swing of things will be well worth seeing. And the Buffalo game's a good test of that because it's um, harder competition than the Senators, but still stepping up into the bigger leagues of playing against Washington. Also, yes, Aaron Eckblad was the last defenseman to win the Rookie of the Year in 2014. Oh, okay. okay. And you mentioned Buffalo. We can only expect that Carter Hutton's going to look like a Vezina-caliber goaltender on Thursday. Who's their backup, or is he their backup? Uh, Linus Allmark is their other goaltender. I think they split time a lot. They probably split time, yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming they'd put Hutton in unless one of them's playing a day, unless they play it the day before or after. Yeah, the way he plays against Pittsburgh, it would be kind of stupid not to start him. You would think he's, I think, 4 or 5-1 and one right now with a sub-two sub <laughs> Goals allowed average in like a 930-something save percentage. So you can assume that it's probably going to be Carter Hutton when the Pens visit Buffalo on Thursday. But back to this game that happened mm-hmm. on Tuesday night, all four lines looked really good. And that's something that Mike Sullivan's really going to want going forward. He's going to want to be able to look at his lines and say that he can roll all four of them. And even tonight when you look at Brandon Tanev being out and you have a guy like Anthony Angelo back in the lineup, which was part of that fourth line that the Pens said, you know what, they didn't really trust all that much before the trade deadline. But Anthony Angelo, Sam Lafferty, and Evan Rodriguez on that fourth line played extremely good tonight drew a couple penalties. They took a couple penalties as well, but especially Sam Lafferty was flying around tonight. He had about three or four chances that I thought he really could have scored on, and he's really trying to prove himself and trying to stay up with the big league club heading into the playoffs. So what did you think about the fourth line and, and really the fact that the Penguins could score through all four lines tonight? Yeah, the fourth line had a great had great opportunities, and the fourth line, yeah, looked great. I feel like Rodriguez is as a guy that's going to take the longest to get his footing. He seems to be a decent player so far. It's just a matter of getting everything under control with him because he just hasn't done much. Yeah, that foot speed is real, though. Yeah. No, he's fast. But um, And, yeah, the fourth line is flying around. Angelo getting called up, I just assumed it was because of Simone being out. I didn't know what was going on exactly. but mm-hmm. It was on the, uh, the tan of illness. It was an emergency yep. reasoning and stuff like that. Yep, but he played great for being called back up again. And mm-hmm. um, you would mentioned Lafferty, I think. Lafferty has the has been the biggest the biggest piece that to get called up this year, um, by far, and it's shown you know night after night. He had one bad play here or there, but regardless, I think in a game where nothing really comes comes out of it on a bad play, that's a positive for you. 
Yeah, and you think back to early in the season when the Penguins went up and visited Minnesota and visited Winnipeg, and the Penguins got a couple of wins back-to-back on that weekend. The fourth line that was producing there was Lafferty, Blandisi, and Adam Johnson. Johnson. And now Adam Johnson's the minors, of course. Blandisi is out of Pittsburgh's organization altogether, and Lafferty still remains, so it's something to show the test of time that he has been able to make a difference throughout the season and not just in small spurts. So it'll be interesting to see once the Pens get all healthy if they decide to keep him with the big league club or if they send him back down. He is able to go back down to the AHL for the AHL playoffs because he was sent down prior to the mm-hmm. trade deadline, in at the very least in a paper move. So it'll be something to look out for. Patrick Marlowe got his first point as Pittsburgh Penguin. Yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of a garbage, not a garbage goal, but it was it was the sixth of a seven to three win. It wasn't the biggest goal. It wasn't in the biggest moment. But playing on that second line, he looked he's really gonna good. He's going to get some, yeah. He's, he's going to get he's going to get a goal eventually. I thought he was going to get one tonight. I mean, now that I mean, whenever we were talking about him coming here, I don't think any of us were expecting him to be on the second line yet. And I don't expect it. I didn't expect it to be long term. But since we got a win and they played well together, I mean, I guess he might be staying there for a little bit. Um, as long as that doesn't backfire on us, you know, I know he still has his legs. He still has his shot because those are, you know, the shot is something that just doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mentioned before that maybe his uh, stamina is something they may be dropping. That's just something we'll just have to keep an eye out. I'm fine with him there for now, but just keep an eye on his stamina. If it starts faulting and we're losing him at the end of games, we got to make a switch. Yeah, it's something to keep an eye on, but it's it's something that's nice to see, especially somebody that we didn't know where he was really going to fit. We we assumed the Penguins acquired him to be a nice bottom six guy and a good locker room guy, but if he can get used to playing with Evgeny Malkin and he can make a difference up there, that's going to be huge for the Penguins going forward. And you know who else is on that line? Brian freaking Brian Rust. Rust. Didn't we give him crap for being on a cold streak a little bit ago? I mean, he was. It, it was kind of rightfully deserved. but Doesn't it seem like so long ago, though? Yeah, I'll say. Brian Rust gets a hat trick. In that game, two of the goals being the sixth and seventh goals, kind of end of the game, padding your stats, goals. Second hat trick in his career versus Ottawa, his last one in 2016. We were in the building. At least I was in the building. You Again, were, yes. This is debated. I thought I was with you in the building. I guess I might not have been. He scored, of course, on a penalty shot for that hat trick, but I was in the building, and that goal and hat trick was also against Craig yeah. Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Against the Senators and Anderson, it's... Is that guy ever going to retire? I was thinking about that while watching the game. He is 40, isn't he? Is he 40? I might be like 38 or 39 at least. He's an old man. I can't believe he's... 38. He's he's 38. And your other goalies for the Senators are 21 and 25. And Oh, Philip Gustafson. Former Penguin prospect, Philip Gustafson. Mm Mm-hmm. You know who we acquired to give them Philip Gustafson? Yes, it, that was the. Uh, I was about to say, there's a hint. He is definitely not on the Penguins anymore. Yeah, he's. Yeah, it's the uh, Derek Broussard yeah. trade that also sent Ryan Reeves to Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Fun stuff. Fun times. Yeah. And, in, in, interesting moves made there a couple years ago. But back to the current state Penguins. Last thing I wanted to talk about. Actually, a couple things I wanted to talk about. The first line for the Pittsburgh Penguins looked fantastic tonight, did it not? They looked phenomenal. They got, what, eight points combined, it said? I, I believe, yes, eight points. Zucker had a goal and two assists. So did Crosby, and Connor Sherry scored his first goal, like I said, coming back to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he also notched an assist. Sidney Crosby's second 800. assist of the game, nope. 800th, 800th of his career, yes. 
Yes. Sixth fastest to do it in NHL history. I'm not going to try and come up with who it's behind, but I'm assuming Gretzky is one of them. And well, there's three other Penguins on that list. Oh, that's right. There are. It's like... like Coffee, Yager, and Lemieux are on there as well. Okay, so there's like two and a half other Penguins on the list. Yeah. But yes. Um, so it, the first line looked really good. Jason Zucker continues to amaze me with everything that he does with Sidney Crosby. And Sidney Crosby continues to be Sidney Crosby, and Connor Sherry doesn't fall as much, so it's all good. Yeah, putting Sherry up there at first was a bit of an oddball to me because I just thought they're clicking with Simone and it's looking good, I think. But now it's, you know, if this line's doing better, screw it, I like it. I mean, that obviously comes with Simone being hurt, but Simone just needs to prove himself that he can play on his own. That's all that that's going to come down to when he returns. As for our first line now, I guess it just took a second to rekindle a little little flame between Crosby and Sherry because they looked like they've been playing together all these years mm-hmm. all these years I mean, what two years off just about yes <laughs> uh yeah and but you know crosby and zucker have been playing phenomenally since zucker got here maybe it took a minute for zucker and crosby to you know collect points but they looked like they knew what they were doing on the ice together at least time after time every shift and that just raises questions for jake gensel come his return next season i'm not yeah. Counting on this year, I'm counting on next year. You're counting on next year. Counting on next year, be pleasantly surprised if he returns in the playoffs this year. Of course. Fair enough. And when I posted the roster at full strength that I decided to post a couple days ago, I did have Dominic Simone on the first line. To me, Simone and Sherry is kind of a toss-up. And I feel like you can easily healthy scratch the other one because of how strong the rest of your lineup is. But as of right now, if Connor Sherry plays the way he did tonight and can continue to play at not even at that level, but somewhere around that level with Sidney Crosby, I think it's a no-brainer that Connor Sherry is going to be the one that stays up there. It'll be hard for them to keep Dom Simone out of the lineup, but, I mean, the way this lineup is constructed right now, it's going to be tough for them to find a spot. It's going to be a fun thing to see if slash when, possibly, the Pittsburgh Penguins can get to full health on the front side. The back side has gotten to full health, at least for now, so we'll see how that all pans out. Like we said, Crosby, 800th career assist. Congratulations again to that. Everything's trying to be positive here. We lost six games in a row. We got the win. We want to be happy. We want to be positive. But there's something I got to pick apart for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That power play breakout is still absolutely awful. And it still surprises me because you have such good players. And here's the thing. You enter the zone so slow when you do it. And it's not because of that system because other teams – run the same exact power play breakout, and they run it effectively. And there's one team that comes to mind that runs it very effectively. If you've ever watched the Colorado Avalanche play, especially this season, and watch what they do on the power play, it's the exact same system. But it's actually effective for them. Now, here's the difference. Colorado's thrown out Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, who are both a lot faster at this point in time than Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin. And it's probably not even close. But the thing that I look at is when Kale McCarr shoots up the ice in what Latang does for the Penguins, he, and it might be partly due to his speed, but he goes up the ice with enough force that he pushes the four checkers back of the penalty kill. What Latang does is he turns around almost at his own blue line. And that's why even you saw against Ottawa on Tuesday, they started picking that up and they started saying, all right, if you're going to turn around at your blue line, we're just going to open it up and cover all your wingers who are all standing flat footed. And then he walks into what three or four defensemen in the offensive zone. 
it was something that Bob Airy caught on the call during the game, and it was something that I, I knew was going to happen because the entire time their power play breakout was not working. So maybe what you have to do is head up with a little bit more speed. Don't look to turn around at your own blue line. It might look a lot easier because it's Kale McCarr and because of how uber-skilled him and McKinnon are, but at the same time, how much less skilled is Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, and Sidney Crosby? You could very easily have Letang burst up the ice, pushing those four checkers back, only to drop it back to Malkin, who instead of receiving the puck at basically his own face-off dots, receives it around the neutral zone. It's something that might help the Penguins enter the zone a little bit better because that's the biggest problem with this power play. When they get in the zone and they get set up, they're usually pretty effective. So I don't know if you saw anything with the power play. What do you what do you think about everything that we just unpacked here about the Pens' power play breakout? Um, I mean, we went one for five again. I think I don't remember the numbers. I just looked for the notes. I couldn't find them from last episode when we talked about it. I just remember it was O for something, one for five, O for something again. But now going one for five, you're looking at what two in your last give or take a little under twenty. That's not good, and it. You know, and they mentioned again, multiple times in this game, we took a whole power play and t- couldn't record a shot. A fo- we had a four-minute power play, and we couldn't record a shot. It definitely is the entry, because when we're set up, other than us trying to make passes into the middle, which I, if it works, it works, but I don't see it work very often anymore. No, something that the Penguins don't do is they don't, have people up in the slot they have a lot of people down low crashing the net that's where Hornquist is if you're going to try to pass it to the middle you need Hornquist up in the slot area not yeah. down playing in, in the middle it, of all four defensemen it, whatever exactly. so when a puck goes in there oh well that's not getting through because there are four other sticks there just easily pushing it out regardless I mean the most that needs to happen is just more shots from the point for it and once we get control of it and we are able to get it set up it's you know okay just I don't like the pass to the middle, and I don't like the way we enter. It's just the way it is. Every time we pass it to the middle, it's back down the other end of the ice, it seems, especially as of recently. I get that it works on occasion, but you can't bank on those on-occasion times all the time. Especially with the skill you have on the outside. like Play to your strengths. Play to the fact that you have Crosby and Malkin and Latang zipping it tape to tape like it's, like it's something easy to do on the power play. They make it look easy. Brian Rust has a lethal shot that's on that power play. And Patrick Horkfist is one of the best net front presence in the league. He's starting to get to the point like a Thomas Holmstrom where he's revered for being the net front presence. So it's something you need to use a lot more, and they just need to play to their strengths more, figure out a better breakout, and if Latang can't do that whole driving up the middle, pushing the four checkers back and turning around, figure something else out. There's definitely different ways to enter the zone on a power play that they should be able to figure out. You have the skilled players to do it. You should be able to figure it out, and they need to figure it out, especially into the playoffs, because we've seen so many times that power plays and penalties can lead to series-changing goals. And the Penguins, if they don't have a good power play breakout, might not be able to get that series-changing goal because they can't enter the zone. Exactly. I mean, on an upside, you know, our Penalty kill looks pretty good for the most part, it, if we're going to talk special teams. You look at the amount of players that they have, even without Brandon Tanev, who has been one of their key penalty killers throughout the entire season. You have Lafferty, now you have Rodriguez, you have Patrick Marlowe, who's killing penalties at a very, very decent rate right now. You have a lot of forward options on that penalty kill that have all looked pretty good. And the Penguins as a team, 
Might not be the youngest team, but they are definitely one of the fastest teams in the league right now, and they need to play to that strength. And so far on the penalty kill, they have been able to this season. So that's just something that they need to keep up. Like we said, the power play needs to improve a little bit. But the penalty kill, consistently one of the top 10 in the league. So nothing to fear there, nothing to really unpack there. Just a really, really good penalty kill that needs to keep it up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just trying to pull up numbers right now, and we've only given up like two, it looks like, since the since and including the Washington game. So yeah, we've gone through a four game, you know, six four game, six game losing streak, but we only gave up two power play goals. That's a positive to look at in yeah. a way. And we talked a lot of it about it on the last episode. A lot of that six game losing streak was low scoring games. We didn't give up many goals. We just didn't score any. I mean, yeah. think about the fact that on that losing streak, we scored eight goals in six games. We scored seven on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. This team can score. They just need to keep it going at a consistent pace. Yeah, they just need to all buy in and just actually shoot the damn puck, I guess. We're going to take a quick break right now, but when we return, we'll discuss the role that Zach Aston Reese will have upon his return from injury. We'll be right back. The push for the playoffs is underway, and while the Penguins will hopefully not be getting a lottery pick, 15 other teams will be, and you can win big for predicting the correct draft order. The Hockey Podcast Network has partnered with Tankathon and Cool Hockey to bring you the first ever NHL Draft Lottery Contest, where the winner will receive a $200 Cool Hockey gift card. To enter, first visit tankathon.com slash NHL, click Sim Lottery until you see an order you think will be correct, and then screenshot your 15-team draft order. Then just visit us at our Twitter page at Iceberg Podcast and comment on our pinned tweet with your screenshotted draft order. All that's left to do is retweet the post and tag two of your friends to be entered for a chance at a $200 gift card to Cool Hockey. Only one entry per Twitter handle. All entries must be submitted by April 8th, and you must be following Tankathon, Cool Hockey, and the Hockey Podcast Network to qualify. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. I'm here along with Nick Horwat. We just talked a whole lot about the Penguins' victory on Tuesday, 7-3 over the Ottawa Senators. And why wouldn't we? It's been a long time. Horwat mentioned it two weeks to the day since the Penguins' last victory. So, of course, we're going to overreact a little bit. But at the same time, Penguins still have a lot of work to do. Still trailing both Philadelphia and Washington at this current moment for the Metropolitan Division lead. Let's get to our Twitter poll that we posted on Tuesday, which is supposed to come out on Monday. But somebody, I don't know who, failed to hit the tweet button on Monday. Whoever it is needs to get fired. (laughs) Oh, I don't post polls. So. Nope, that would be me. <laughs> and the poll we posted was which player needs to up their current game before the playoffs. And the options were Latang, Russ, Simone, Johnson, and or comment. Your answer, nobody commented a different answer. I feel like everybody wanted to answer this one as the four that are in there. Jack Johnson wins the poll with 38%. Chris Letang gets 33%. Brian Rust at 19%. And Dom Simone, who is now week-to-week, received 10% of the vote. So Jack Johnson, he played pretty good on Tuesday. Is it just low-hanging fruit picking him, though? Because he's... It very much is definitely low-hanging fruit. Just yeah. being like, well, it's Jack Johnson. Let's just point yeah. and laugh at the man. 
That's why I was like, I'm not. I'm gonna avoid the Jack Johnson one because, well, yeah, he needs to pick it up, but at the same time, let's tr- let's see what the new role does for him. Yeah, that's especially moving down want. and playing in that third line role. We we don't know how many minutes he's gonna get in a third line role because we haven't seen it for a very very long time. Tonight he didn't get very many minutes, but again he also left at the end of the second period. Yeah, it happens. Of the birth of his child. So, fair enough. But you roll up Dom Simone, I'm going to say, I mean, yeah, his play needs to change because he needs to get healthy. Yeah, There's that. He, needs to get, he needs to get healthy. One thing that the doctor, Matthew Arp, actually responded, and he said, can't you just stick Jack Johnson in the press box with Marino and Dumoulin back? Um, yeah, I mean, we could, but we have some weird thing where if we're paying a guy a lot of money, we have to be playing him. Yeah, that's something that they like to do, and they did. And I did respond to this on Twitter saying they did – Scratch him earlier in the season. He was a healthy scratch. But that was also because they wanted Eric Branson to get his playing time because they yeah. were trying to up Eric Branson's trade value. While everybody's healthy and while there's nobody that they're trying to trade, Jack Johnson has gotten almost every start. He played in every game last year. He got the Iron Penguin Award last year. This year, of course, those healthy scratches not able to. I don't see a problem personally with scratching somebody like jack johnson it doesn't matter if he has a 3.5 million dollar cap hit whenever you have somebody that's better equipped to play the position like a chad ruweedle like a yuso ricola for freaking christ's sake can we please play the kid when you have people that are better equipped then you should be able to just bench jack johnson and that's fine even if it's for a couple games just to see how it works out to see how somebody like ruweedle or ricola play with a justin schultz it's something that you can test with because it's not like taking Jack Johnson out of the lineup is going to drastically hurt your back end. Exactly. I mean, like I'm agreeing with you that it should be something that's done, but it's something that we just know isn't going to happen. Oh no, they'll never do it, which makes no sense to me, but I think it should be able to be done. And and I agree with Dr. Arp that it should be done, but But I don't see it happening. Yeah. But moving up that list though, the my vote, Brian Rust, I may as well discuss it. Oh, that was my vote, too. Yeah, because you figure he was on pace for however many goals it was before he started this little slump that seemed to last a little while. I can't remember his last big game scoring before getting one or two during his slump and then coming back you know, on Tuesday with the hat trick. And, <laughs> I mean, I'd say he's the most important one because of that fact that he's been the scorer for this team. When Malkin was out, when Crosby was out, when you know Malkin and Crosby were lighting a blaze everywhere, so it was something that Rust um, needed to get back to. Now we could start saying he's going to be a thirty-goal scorer soon. Yeah, he leads the Pittsburgh Penguins team in goals with twenty-seven now. Even before when this poll was posted, he had twenty-four goals, and he was still leading <clears throat> the Pittsburgh Penguins in yeah. goals. The reason that I vote him and the reason that I think a lot of people were hesitant to vote him was because of how good he has been. But the reason I vote him is because he has been that good, and then he hit the slump. The Penguins Mm -hmm. needed him, of all those players. Chris Letang has played at a decent level, but you know he's going to improve. Dom Simone has played at about a Dom Simone level. That's all you can expect. Jack Johnson has played below a Jack Johnson level, but then again, it's it's the new Jack Johnson level. It's just what it is. Brian Russ is much better than he was playing when this poll was posted. And seeing him score a hat-trick is a good sign, but he needs to keep that going. He can't just be a one-game thing. 
He needs to find some consistent scoring. It doesn't have to be goals. As long as you're finding assists, as long as you're making plays, as long as you're looking good when you're on the ice, that's something that we can look for and see that he's improving. I think that he is probably one of the most, if not the most important player for the Pittsburgh Penguins going forward. Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to fully agree with you because he's the guy that had to pick up the most part of his game. Josh Johnson was being Jack Johnson just at more minutes. Mm-hmm. Simone is just now hurt. We'll wait for that. Wait for that one. But he's been playing pretty consistently all season, at least. And I haven't seen any downside from Crystal Tang yet this year. So yeah, you know Brian Russ clearly was on and up, and clearly was on and down. It's just that he needs to come back to form now and be the goal scoring point getting guy that he is. Sidney Crosby is staple gun to Jason Zucker. We expect Jason Zucker to perform. Mm-hmm. Evgeny Malkin is stapled to Brian Rust. So we expect Brian Rust to perform. That's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. You're damn right he did. So let's finish it off by having a discussion on Zach Asnerese because it is, after all, episode 46 of the tip of the iceberg. So let's talk about good old number 46, who is out week to week with a lower body injury. My big question and the big question circling Penn's Nation right now, when he returns from injury... Does he immediately get placed back onto a line with Teddy Bluger and Brandon Tanev? What say you, Nick Horwat? Uh, who was who played on that line tonight? Uh, well, Brandon Tanev was out, so Teddy Bluger yeah. had Hornquist, and I be- can't remember who else was on okay, that line. Okay, maybe I didn't actually. think maybe I didn't think about tonight, but I'm normally who was on that line without Aston Reese, I can't remember now. But Patty Marlowe played on shaking, that line for a little bit on in in California. Yeah, that's what I thought. So with all that moving and shaking that's happening, will he jump right back on that line? Probably. I mean, I think if Rodriguez doesn't start doing more things, he's going to be the first one out over Aston Reese, it looks like, come full healthy lineup time. But overall, I'd say he's probably going to get popped back onto that line while the bottom line, and they turn into a you know, a subsequent fourth line with Blue, with uh, Bukestad, words, <laughs> With Bustad, McCann, and probably Hornquist coming back in for the third line. And I think that's a very good idea for when it comes to the lineup. And the thing is, I, I spoke to Jesse Marshall of The Athletic about it just very briefly. And the, what he told me is that he thinks that the Penguins are a very firm believer in what Zach Aston Reese brings defensively to this lineup. You mm-hmm. mentioned earlier that they are very good on the penalty kill and have been very good on the penalty kill this season. A big part of that is because of Zach Aston Reese. Yeah. He's and a great penalty killer. And he's played a lot more physical this season than he has in seasons past. And the big thing for me is, yeah, he doesn't have very many goals. He has six goals and 13 points. But a couple things. One, he's not on that line to score goals. Two, right. his shooting percentage is at 6.1%. Eventually, oh. that'll go up. You'd have to hope so. Eventually that'll go up. And this is not a guy that has been a 20-goal scorer. This is a fourth liner that has never cracked 10 goals in his career. So the fact that he's at six goals with a 6.1 shooting percentage, if he can crack 10 goals a season, if he can get even 12 to maybe even 15, that's about the max you're going to expect from a guy like Zach Aston Reese. The thing that you're going to want to look at for him is the way he plays on defense. His expected plus minus, which I know getting into analytics is going to be a little bit of a hazy situation because I know you're, you're trying to get into it and so am I. But his expected plus minus is 5.2, which is sixth on the team. His actual plus minus is plus six. 
but is expected plus minus, which includes the area of shots given, which is the important thing to me. It includes where the shots are taken from when you're on the ice. Is only lower than Malkin, Gensel, Rust, Pedersen, and Dumlin. Now think about the fact that that's all with the fact that he doesn't get offensive opportunities. Yeah. It, should, it just goes to show how good he is defensively, that he's still expected to be that high on the plus-minus, even though he never goes into the offensive zone and gets scoring chances. Yeah, that's such I – mean, I I tried to look at analytics the other day, and it looked like Chinese to me, so I am – I'm getting there. Yeah, I don't understand a damn word of it. So, But from what I, that understanding is that he's expected to be that – high on a plus minus without getting offensive opportunities is damn impressive on how good he is defensively. And I know he is. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think he bumps off Rodriguez in that situation. And he might even start bumping off Simone if it comes to that point where um, if Simone can't pick up some sort of play here or there, um, it'll just be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, the other options for that lineup whenever you're healthy is a Sam Lafferty, like you mentioned, Rodriguez or a Dom Simone. I can very easily see him being placed, especially the way that he plays with Bluger and Tanev and the rapport those three guys have had as a line. It, it's it's like a, a non-scoring Coneheads line for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, it's a good one, though. I mean, it's a line that you know you can be confident that the other team may not be, just won't be getting any shots off against. Yeah. It's a confidence builder for not only you, but the rest of the team and your defense and your goaltending. Because that's however many minutes of time they get for the game take that into that's all defensive there's no production happening for you but there's no production happening on the other end which turns into production for you as well couldn't agree more one more thing before we go we talked earlier at least you heard the advertisement earlier about our tankathon contest coming up for the nhl draft lottery one other thing that i wanted to mention about that is you get one entry but if you want to switch it up you can go and delete your entry off of twitter and do it all again but get it in before april 8th if you get one in now and say you want to switch it up in a couple weeks because the teams have shifted the standings have shifted and you want to get a different one in of course you can delete it go back on all you have to do is Get your new simulation, put it in the comments again, retweet it, and tag two friends, and you'll be entered once again for that $200 gift card to coolhockey.com. So that is all for this one. You can follow us at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter. Our show is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can follow them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. Every team, everywhere. Have a good one, Pens fans.